Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. in action tonight just underway at Rogers Place against Medicine Hat. Oil Kings 2-0 to start the season. Oilers play tomorrow against Arizona at Rogers Place. Talbot will not dress, but we don't know what they're going to do with Koskinen and or Montoya for that game. Anaheim's Corey Perry had knee surgery. He'll miss five months. Columbus defenseman Seth Jones has an MCL sprain. He'll miss four to six weeks. Saskatchewan Rough Riders receiver Naaman Roosevelt has a knee problem. He will not play Sunday at Montreal. Winnipeg running back Andrew Harris has resumed practicing, and the Blue Bombers are here on Saturday to take on the Edmonton Eskimos in yet another big game for your green and gold. How about that finish in the CFL on Saturday, the final moments of that triple header they had? Hamilton at BC. BC's down eight after Hamilton made that questionable decision to punt through the end zone instead of going for a field goal. BC drives down, gets a touchdown. They have to go for two for the tie, and it's originally ruled out of bounds. They review it, and Brian Burnham barely in bounds. So they got the tie, and they won it in overtime. If you haven't already seen this photo, go to my Twitter account, at Reed Wilkins, and check it out. I just retweeted it a few minutes ago. Or you can follow Paul Yates at Vancouver Sport 1. Vancouver Sport, all one word, and then the number one. Because he's the dude that took this photo, and he's on with us now. Paul, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thanks for uh, having me on. A little injured. I think I might be out for a couple months, but I, I want to sound like an athlete. Well, you're toughing Bring it up. Me, you know, my hip. <laughs> well, okay, let, let's start there. I, I mean, sports photography is, is very cool, and sometimes you guys actually get the best stories out of anybody in the sports media. Uh, but tell us a little bit about that uh, photograph, how, how it unfolded, and what happened to you as a result. Right, right. Well, a lot of it is luck, to be honest with you. Um, any given time in a game like that, sideline photographers, we take somewhere between two to 4,000 images a game. And the chances of being in the right spot at the right time are, you know, slim at best. But you can play the odds. You can try and get to where you think the game is going. And in a game, a typical game, you might have two chances at getting, uh, like, a live play coming at or near you. But for the most part, we bail. We don't hang around because it could hurt. (laughs) (laughs) And? (laughs) And, well, you know, if you miss a shot like that, a chance like that, there's always regrets. And for years, I've been close a few times 
wanting to get that kind of shot, but I've always bailed. If you're standing up and shooting, and most of the pros don't stand up and shoot, they get down on one knee or both knees because the angles are just better. But you can't move as much. You can't get out of the way. So I'm down, and I see it coming, and you can't believe how fast these guys are. Like, TV does not do it uh, justice. They're so quick. They can cover 10 meters in a nanosecond. So you see it coming, but you don't want to leave. And your, your mind is telling you, like, leave, get out of there, but you know it's going to be a chance at a shot. So this time I stayed, and um, I got the shot. It's an incredible photograph, and Burnham's coming right at you. So tell us what the collision was like. Well, it, it, uh, if you've ever been in a minor fender bender or hopefully uh, nothing too serious, it, uh, accidents happen really quickly. It almost feels like an accident because you just don't have time to react. You're there, and it, things seem to go in slow motion, but it took maybe two seconds for him to come through and hit me. I tried to roll left. Uh, I think he tried to dodge a bit as well. These guys can be pretty good at trying not to get hurt themselves or hurt other people. Uh, but um, when he hits, he... Wrapped the monopod around my knee. Uh, my right hand still had that camera going. My left hand had a very expensive <laughs> lens in it. That was all right. Uh, but um, the camera shoots at 12 frames a second. doesn't mean you got the shot. It means you're trying to get the shot, but this just lucked out. I mean, the, the, when he put his toe down, that was the frame that, uh, that set in the camera. Okay, so uh, you're 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 okay though. You're gonna get back on the sideline as soon as you can. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's all good. It, yeah, it's okay. all good. I mean, I I remember once I was at a training camp with Wally. Uh, I was walked out on the field a little bit, and he was, you know, thirty yards away, and he, he was waving at me. He was like, like, you know, get off the field, get off the field. You know, you're gonna get hurt. And I'm thinking, you know, I can I can get out of the way. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I talked to him after. He said, I don't care about you. I don't want my players getting hurt. So he it wasn't it wasn't about <laughs> photographers right. or equipment. It's like you know, kids. You know, I was younger then. You don't realize how fast they are, and he was right. But you know, for the most part, those kind of shots you usually see in video because the it's obviously film, right? The camera's rolling all the time. But for still photography, even if you're there, you don't necessarily get the shot. And for the most part, you know, it could be out of focus. It could be a ref in the way. Uh, something else could be happening. So a lot of it is luck. It's you know, you, you try and take your chances, but uh, I got lucky. Paul Yates joining us took an incredible photograph of Brian Burnham scoring that two-point convert against Hamilton on, on Saturday night, telling you about the uh, the play and the collision and, and everything you had to do to get that one. Uh, I mean, you, you've been shooting for a while now. This this is your life. This is your livelihood. Um, have uh, Like, is football the most dangerous, or have you had another sport where you've had a, a close call or, or something interesting happen? Well, football, because of the nature of the sport, you know, as a contact sport, and there's a lot of out-of-bounds stuff, um, it is probably up there. Although the field's really big, right? So both chances are diminished. But basketball is pretty risky. Uh, you see that on watching NBA TV all the time. Uh, and I think at some point in time, they'll probably pull those cameras back. You see a lot more remote cameras now. Uh, usually, in, in especially in playoffs, you see these guys flying through uh, and, and landing on photographers all the time, and someone's going to get hurt. So I think it's just a question of time in that sport. But baseball can be really tricky. When you're looking through the lens, you can't see the play sometimes. It's a really narrow field of view. And I used to shoot for the Vancouver Canadians, and uh, there's a couple times where you don't even see what's happening. You're looking at, I was on the first base uh, on, the, on the sidewall, right by the dugout on one knee, and it was a line drive that went behind my head. With the big oh. slack, it hit the back 
of the padding behind my head and went past the first baseman, and it, I didn't even know what happened. So it's like, all right, being inside, you know, on, on the first baseline in, in pro baseball is not a good idea. So yeah, man, that's... It's an example. You can get hurt, and uh, your, your equipment can go for it, but it doesn't happen very often. You know, you can dodge it, but um, you got to be careful, too. Yeah, man, that'd be scary with those line drives. And like you said, I mean, the the baseballs come at you so fast. I mean, even if you did pick it up um, for the you know quote unquote average <laughs> average person, it's it's hard to get out of the way or or uh, or get an arm up or something like that for sure. Do you do you have a favorite uh, sport to shoot, Paul? Well, I love basketball. I love football. Obviously, uh, you know, working for the Lions is a is a golden job. Uh, it, it's such a great entertaining sport. And the last game proved that, but. Uh, Basketball is a lot of fun. Uh, for a photographer, it's relatively easy because they all come back to the same place, which is the basket. Great. And usually the lighting is really consistent, but um, it's a very entertaining game, and you don't need as much gear to shoot basketball. So that, that's probably my favorite game, but uh, I love volleyball. It's a, you know, volleyball is a terrific game for photographers, and uh, those three are my top, yeah. Paul, how much does it help, or can you give some context that you have to know about the sport to be able to shoot? I mean, like you said, okay, basketball, you know they have to go to the basket, but, I mean, you might know if you want the shot of whoever, maybe he drives with his left hand more than his right, and, I mean, how much does it help to to know the game and some of the details to get that money shot? It helps. It helps. Uh, I also do tournaments and hire photographers to do that kind of support work, and if they haven't had any sports experience when they're growing up, it makes it difficult. They tend to chase the play instead of be in front of it. In complex games like baseball, and, and uh, if it's a if it's a something happening in the game where there's some kind of strategy that's about to take place, it helps to know the game because you can try and take your best guess to get there. But you need to know to to lead the play to try and get ahead of it for to get the, the money shots. And you learn. You just take you know the more you do it, like anything that we do, the more you do it, uh, the better you get at it. But uh, definitely angles in in sports photography is uh, where it's at. Have you ever had an athlete request a photo from you that, that, that you took? That, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it, it is It is cool. I mean, when they get to the pro level, they get covered a lot, and uh, people want to give them that. And usually the teams are covered. But um, at the amateur level, they, uh, they definitely ask all the time. All right. Uh, what's your next assignment, Paul? I mean, I'm following you on Twitter now, so I assume I'm going to see a whole bunch of, <laughs> of cool stuff from the Lions and the Vancouver area. Uh, that's kind of, yeah, yeah there's, uh, I've got uh, Simon Fraser University has some uh, soccer coming up tomorrow night, and I think there's more volleyball, and I shoot for uh, the West teams. Uh, there's some volleyball soccer coming up. So that's the season. You just follow the season around, and before you know it, it'll be hockey and then uh, a lot of high school college stuff. Wow, it sounds like you're a busy guy. So, how, how long have you been doing this? Uh, 12 years now, I think. Okay, cool. What made you want to get into it? Uh, I had a friend, Anthony Beirutti, uh I was um, chasing him around, and I had a little point and shoot, and he said, you know, you seem a little bit too passionate about this. You should do this for a living. So I said, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, well, that's good advice. You seem to really like it. Have you thought about getting paid for it? There you go. Yeah, it'd be nice to get paid. It'd be nice to get paid. <laughs> Hey, Paul, uh, we're, we're going to have to keep in touch. Uh, good for you getting that photograph. Uh, and, yeah, what a perfect spot in, in an incredible game, man. Awesome stuff. Uh, again, I, I, I retweeted your photo, and uh, people can also put your name in there. It's Paul Yates, Y-A-T-E-S. Uh, thanks for doing this, buddy. Really appreciate the insight. I appreciate it, Reed. Thank you.
That is Paul Yates uh, checking in tonight. You know, we've, we've had Dale McMillan on the show a couple of times. You see him on uh, Eskimo sidelines, and uh, he's a, a very established sports photographer. He shot World Cups and uh, uh, things like that. Andy Devlin does uh, photographs for uh, the Edmonton Oilers and, and Paul Yates working in Vancouver. I mean, you always see those guys, right? You always see them on the sidelines and often, you know, getting hit, or, or you see those great photos where it, it looks like, wow, how did they get such a great angle? How did they look like they're so close to it? Well, that's how they do it. And as he said, you you, you got to know the game a little bit. You have to know where the play is going because you don't want to have something in your viewfinder and, and not be clicking on it. So that was awesome to talk to Paul for sure. Okay, Rick Flair's coming up at 7.30 with Dave Campbell. We have two more tickets to give away to see Ric Flair speak at uh, the Jube on Saturday, June 12th in honor of... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley. Kellen, I'm going to put you to work here. Caller number 13. That's fair. We'll get two tickets to see Ric Flair. We're coming right back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, there we go. In honor of Mike's jersey number 13, the 13th caller through to 780-496-0063. Got two tickets to see Ric Flair speak at the Jube on January 12th, and Dave gets those tickets. January 12th. I, bl- I believe I might have said June going to the break. It's January. I get my J months mixed up. You got January, July, June, Gentember. Anyway, Dave gets the tickets. January 12th, and Ric Flair is going to be on this station with Dave Campbell in about 10 minutes. You can text 630-630. The Big L says, Reed appreciated what Paul had to say about camera angles and sports photography. It's not still imagery, but for anyone who hasn't seen I, Tanya, the angles of filming are fantastic. I, Tanya is a really good movie. Very well done, very entertaining about Tanya Harding. This texter says, I can't wait for Saturday, bringing my 75-year-old father to Rogers Place for the Battle of Alberta, then over to Commonwealth to watch the Green and Gold beat the Bombers. I love this time of year. Well, so do I, and I appreciate the enthusiasm in that text. That's going to be a fun doubleheader on Saturday on 6.30. Ched will start uh, with Oilers coverage at 11.30 into Eskimos coverage at 4.30 and uh, then into the evening with the game and the points after show. We had Skyler Schellenberg on earlier, Kellen, the elite promotional marketing 630 Ched MVP this week. Congrats to him. So I was talking to his coach, uh, Ian McLean, earlier, and said he, and was said, he said when you interview him, he sounds like James Earl Jones. So I asked him to, to do some, some Darth Vader, so I put this together. He told me you killed him. I am your father. Luke, I am your father. Not bad. I mean, he didn't have the benefit of sound effects. And, and there's a little trivia about that line. Everybody thinks it's Luke, I am your father. The actual line is, no, I am your father. Mm-hmm. Not Luke, I am your father. No, 
I am your father. That's I, when, I know that because I've seen the Star Wars movies about 80 times each. Well, that's the first when, three. That's when Luke's hanging off the side of the That's when he's hanging thing. off the thing in Cloud City. In Cloud City, or yeah. Weather vane or whatever. His hand got whacked off, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, how to spoil the movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, some four-year-old kid at home who was like, great, thanks, just watched A New Hope. Thanks, Kellen. It is kind of graphic. We have a big four-year-old audience, by the way. Because it matches my maturity level. Parental discretion advised. Uh, what are we doing here? Oh, yeah. Reese McGuire, rookie catcher, hit his first Major League homer. Blue Jays beat the Astros 3-1. John Gibbons, his final home game as Toronto's manager. Blue Jays announcing the uh, long-expected news that he would not be returning next season. They made the announcement before the home finale today. They do wrap up uh, on the road with a three-game series against Tampa. Here's Gibby after the game. Yeah, obviously you're aware of it. I, could, I can't tell you what the numbers were, but, you know, you didn't want to end up below 500. You know, that, that's just, and they call you a loser, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it worked out good, you know. Worked out okay. Any last questions? All right, Gibby, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, guys, and we will see you down the road. That's it for Gibby. Well, that's it for me, because I'm going to hand the reins and the microphone over to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports, and he is going to interview wrestling legend Ric Flair right out of the 730 News. Kellen Kennedy's the studio producer. Kellen, great work tonight. I know you're going to enjoy having Ric Flair on the show. I will uh, rejoin you tomorrow at 5.30 for the face-off show to get ready for the Oilers and the Coyotes, and play-by-play with Jack and Bob will start at 7. Enjoy Ric Flair, everybody. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chat. Well, it, it is known that, uh, and I don't talk about it much, just because you know it's it's you know some fans get a little grumpy or listeners get a little grumpy when I bring up professional wrestling. But yes, I am a professional wrestling fan, have been for a long time, and I am uh, really, really thrilled and honored and pleased to be joined by the limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing son of a gun. He is the nature boy, Ric Flair. Rick, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing great. Um, I wanted to do the woo, but maybe I should reserve that for you. Woo! <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. It, it's appropriate. There you go. So, um, yeah, like I say, pr- pleasure to have you on the airwaves here on 630 Chad and our Edmonton uh, listeners. And uh, I know you're coming to Edmonton on Saturday, January uh, 20, or sorry, January 12th, that is, at the uh, Northern Alberta Jubilee Auditorium for uh, uh, a show called The Untold Tales of Professional of Pro Wrestling, moderated by Mouth of the South Jimmy Hart. So uh, that in itself is worth the price of admission. But uh, how much do you enjoy uh, uh, these sort of events and, and, and talking to uh, talking to wrestling fans all, all across the globe? Oh, I, I love them. Um, you know, the um, I think that the wrestling is so popular now and uh, the cross-demographic uh, awareness of, you know, what we have been, where we are, where we're going is... Um, is you know universally accepted and uh, and and respected by so many people. We were talking about uh, the fact that you know, uh, and I forgot that you're from Minnesota. So I was talking about the weather might be a little frightful, but uh, if it is, you're used to that. I certainly am. How much do you enjoy coming up to Canada? Uh, the, the times that you have come up and performed and wrestled in Canada, or just to, to come up to, um, you know, for for these type of events. Uh, how how is the Canadian wrestling fan uh, as far as um, you know rank up there? Is because you've been all over the world, but uh, how is Canada in wrestling? In- oh, I think there's some of the greatest fans anywhere. Um, you know, obviously we've wrestled uh, more in Toronto and uh, Montreal that we have in Western Canada. But, uh, you know, you have to remember the history of the legendary Hart family, Stu, and then uh, his wrestling school, and then his sons, and the, the fame of uh, Bret Hart and the recognition that Bret, you know, along with Jim Nyhart and, and now Natty, and has brought uh, to the community. And I mean, to me, if I think sports, and people are going to hate hearing this, my name... To me, Bret Hart is the bigger name than Wayne Gretzky. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that just, I mean, and the thing about it is, Bret is known as his bigger name in England, where people might not even know who Wayne Gretzky is. For sure. That makes sense. Let me give you my answer to the hockey fans. So two years ago, not one team in Canada made the playoffs. Hello? I follow hockey, too, so I got the answer to that. <laughs> well, now, Win- 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 Winnipeg didn't make it to the conference final against the Vegas Golden Knights, but they were swept away pretty quickly, or they, they lost in five. But, yeah, that, that was quite the run with the, with the Golden Knights. Yeah, this year, yeah. I'm talking about two years ago, nobody made it to the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Ed- Edmonton oh, hockey man. fans know about that. <laughs> Yeah, what's, you got a really good player that you don't care what, uh, on your team there. What's his name? Oh, yeah, Connor McDavid. Yeah, see, I keep track of it. And the other kid from uh, Toronto is really good, too. Um, Austin Matthews? They both, they both got drafted the same year, yeah. Yes they, yes, they did. I'm impressed. The Nature Boy Ric Flair is a hockey fan. I love it. So <laughs> your, your, your credit is going way up now, Rick. That's all I'm saying, so they're complaining about being disgruntled. Uh, wrestling fans, let, let, let me know what they're discussing about, and I'll explain about their hockey franchise. 
<laughs> now, now you're now, now they're going. This guy's pretty cool. He loves hockey. So hey, there you go. <laughs> and I, I was going to say about yeah. Brett, Brett Hart, and he's from Calgary, and that and you talk about the Hart family, and and they're from Calgary, and Edmonton and Calgary have this big rivalry. Well, when I think when it comes to wrestling, uh, even Edmonton wrestling fans adopt Bret Hart as their own. So uh, I'm glad you did bring up the Hart family, and uh, you've had some many great battles with uh, with Bret Hart as well. They brought wrestling to Canada, and you would be amazed at the number of big-name big wrestlers that have come out of Canada. I mean, you go from Edge and Christian, I mean, from Bret Hart to Edge and Christian, Trish Stratus, I mean, female and male, and, and then guys from years ago that uh, you wouldn't probably remember, but um, the wrestling has been huge in Canada for years. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Stampede Wrestling was a, was a huge deal in these parts uh, for a long, long time. So, and that's where a lot of those wrestlers came from. I was going to say, which is a real credit to the Hart family. We're joined here by the Nature Boy, Rick Flair, uh, here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Rick, along with the, the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, are going to uh, have a show at the Jubilee Auditorium on Saturday, January the 12th, The Untold Tales of Professional Wrestling. If uh, you want tickets, you can head to uh, livenation.com. i got to ask you, Rick, uh, how's your health uh, these days? Because I know a year ago uh, you had a really, really bad health scare, um, and it, it could have been, it was life-threatening, and, and you got through that. But how, how are you feeling these days? I feel great. I had the second operation um, July 9th to reverse the procedure, and it was successful. And uh, I feel better than I should. I'm kind of blessed. I feel great. Um, it was successful. It took eight days to kick in, so I was worried that it might not uh, work out right away, but it worked out great, and uh, I couldn't be happier. I've been great help. Now, you went into the hospital. You thought, I think, I think it was your, sorry, go ahead. I say um, it, it, it's a miracle. I mean, after what I went through, that I'm back where I am. But I'll, yeah. I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah, it's and, and if I get the story correct here, uh, your wife took you into the hospital, and you thought you were just having like stomach pains, right? And then it just turned out to be really, really a bad deal. Yeah, my intestine ruptured, and my kidneys failed. I was septic. I had respiratory heart failure, and I had pneumonia. So. Oh. The deck was stacked pretty heavily. Miracle is definitely the right word, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. um, and you, you've talked openly about, I mean, the, the life you live with, with professional wrestling. And um, you have wrestled all across the globe. You're, uh, you know, you've wrestled so many people. You've, uh, you're have you a 16-time uh, world champion when it comes to NWA, WCW, WWE. And I don't think that includes the other world champion or other titles that you won in the other, uh, you know, in the other uh, uh, promotions that you wrestled in. Um, but you admitted that I live lived a really hard life i abused alcohol and it kind of i guess caused you to kind of reflect back on i guess how hard you are on how hard you were on yourself um but tell me about when you reflect on all of that and now you're still here what really comes to mind well with something like that happens it makes you look at everything um from a different perspective and uh you know at the time i didn't i didn't think i was being hard on myself because Regardless of what I drank or what I did, I, I always worked out really hard. And aside from working out really hard, I also spent a lot of time in the ring. So um, I just, you know, took it for granted that I was in great shape, great condition, and uh, I never looked at it as being a problem. It just became a way of life. 
But if I look back on it now, and if, you know, of course, I've been told this for years, you know, that it was very excessive. But there was no telling me that back then. I didn't. I thought I was, uh, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I thought I was immortal. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I didn't think anything was ever going to happen to me. So I've crashed in airplanes and all that and survived that. And I suppose subconsciously I just had that thought process that, you know, what could go wrong? But it most assuredly did, and I wouldn't be here without her. So mm-hmm. she uh, takes a lot of women to spend uh, 12, eight days and, you know, during a coma and then 31 days in ICU. And then in a month in a, at a rehab center, not for alcohol, but to learn how to walk and open a bottle of Gatorade or pull a top on a Coke can. I mean, wow. it was a lot to be able to come back from. So she never left my side. Well, we, we are definitely glad you got through that. All, all those nights in Toronto drinking like hell, the Marlboro <laughs> Hotel after the rest of the garden didn't help either. So I'm putting part of the blame on Canada. <laughs> that was worth one day of my... my uh, Canada, <laughs> Canadian does, beer. Canada does love their beer, Rick, so I will say that. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you, we love it. You mentioned the plane crash in 1975, and, and that could have ended your life. It didn't. Uh, it looked like it was going to end your career. It, it broke your back in three places, and I think you were back, what, eight months later back in the ring? But it changed your style. You were more of a brawling type of performer, and it changed you into the and to the man that we know and love now, you were you became the nature boy, Ric Flair. It's kind of funny how life works that a tragic accident like that can really be the catalyst to to be why you were so successful. But ultimately, that's what happened. Yeah, it's the truth. George Scott, another Canadian uh, from Toronto, was the booker and the guy that uh, helped me put that persona together while I was... Uh, recovering from a plane crash so that you know I, I didn't see it back then uh but you know it's probably one of those things that uh shaped and formed the character that i became i want to know where the uh the signature phrase that i used to introduce you which is your phrase the limousine riding jet flying kiss stealing wheeling dealing son of a gun where did that come from that just came out of my mouth one morning on TV <laughs> after drinking probably 20 Canadian beers. <laughs> You're blaming Canada again, Rick. <laughs> well, I, I, I used to love that Niagara Falls one, guys. Make no mistake. <laughs> and, where, and where did the Nature Boy come from? Where did the Nature Boy um, uh, nickname come from? I came from Rockhill Welch. Okay. You'll have, to, you'll have to ask her. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I'm going to get the chance to ask her, so we'll just we'll just leave it as a mystery then, okay, Rick? <laughs> uh, that, was, that, that, came from, that came from Buddy Rogers. Oh, Buddy, no, that was okay. The, yeah, I, I'm not the original. Okay. I wish I would, but um, I kind of took what Buddy had and did, and he was great. And, uh, you know, then uh, took it like Harley Race, and I took it to a different level because... Of course, the TV was bigger then when I came along, and uh, the opportunities to be seen nationally and worldwide were bigger then, too. So um, I, I give a lot of due to Buddy, though. I learned a lot from him, just a few, few 
few years that I was around him. We'll have more with professional wrestling legend, Nature Boy Ric Flair, coming up here. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Untold Tales of Professional Wrestling at the Northern Alberta Jubilee Auditorium. Rick, I want to ask you about, uh, of all the eras that you wrestled, you wrestled in, in so many of them, the uh, the territory era or the uh, local wrestling promotion era, uh, and of course in the era where uh, basically sometime in the mid-80s it changed into more of a, of, of a national product with uh, NWA, WCW, and of course WWE being primarily the, uh, the uh, wrestling promotions. What is your favorite era of wrestling that you participated in? Well, I think my favorite would go back to the mid-'80s, the, the Four Horsemen, the original group, um, or the group with Bray Windham. Um, and then uh, the I really, really had a good time uh, uh, when I went back to WWE in 2001. That was a, that was a, a great time then, too. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, the guys that I was around, you know, I, 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 the problem is when I ask people asking that question, I can't think of a bad time. You know, there's a year here and a year there that I was miserable um, with, uh, you know, when Turner bought the company. For me, it was Jim Hurd. I, you know, that documented. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get along with him, and then I had problems with Eric. But aside from that, I can't blame the wrestlers. I can't. Look at an era at a at a generation or a decade that I didn't enjoy. To me, it was all good guys, good times, and uh, just about trying to be the best you could be every day. When I look back, uh, I see that you were part. Of, and I'm glad you brought up the mid '80s when the Four Horsemen uh, was was formed, and I, I'm glad you brought in uh, Evolution there and mentioned them as well with uh, Triple H and Dave Batista, the the fame of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and the Marvel movies now, and uh, Randy Orton of course uh, and Triple H. Um, I, I see you were part of two of the greatest eras, and maybe I'm more speaking out of opinion here, but I think you, you, you performed and wrestled in two of the greatest eras in wrestling history. One was the NWO era, in uh, especially the heyday from about 96 to Starcade 97, and then you, you caught the tail end of the Attitude era, and then that era kind of after that, and then kind of you know in between of what we're, we see now in the Attitude era. Um, is, that, is that fair? Yeah, I would say so. Yep, because the NWO uh, thing was not like it was so original, right? Like, and then maybe it had had been done in other territories, but from a national level, it's never been done. I mean, Hogan's heel turn and um, and just this faction uh, that's invading the the integrity of of a promotion. Like, it was it was awesome. Yeah, it had been done in Japan. That's where they got the idea. But yeah, it worked out great and. Uh, you know, it certainly created a, an interest in it. Uh, it, you know, but, but they, they say it's the greatest TV uh, between the two companies ever put together. But um, uh, I mean, ever ever to be uh, uh, seen on TV. Um, 
I didn't always agree with it, but I, you can't deny the success of it. How much has the business changed from uh, from what we used to see in the '80s and the '90s, and even um, you know, even a bit in the 2000s, to what we what we see now? And um, you know, WWE obviously is the biggest faction out there; it's the biggest promotion out there. Um, you know, Impact is around, Ring of Honor is around, but they're sort of the smaller scale. Um, you know, this is an era where there's you know, <laughs> and I think back to the 90s with the Monday Night Wars with Nitro and Raw, um, and there were two big promotions warring against each other, and we don't have that anymore. So, but is how would you describe wrestling now compared to how it used to be when you had those rivalries? Well, you know, it, it's it, it, it's a different time. It changes every day, but uh, you cannot of WWE right now. They continue to grow. The storylines change. Um, there's still competition for positions uh, within the company, and uh, you know, the, the, the other thing that's nice is they're always always looking for new talent. You know, there's a lot of TV to be made. Five hours of live TV a week, not to mention the stuff that they put on the network, which you can't put a price on uh, because the people, um, which is really good for people like me, uh, you know, what's old is new. And people can look at it not just on YouTube, but we have a network that specifically recognizes the territories, the days, and the individuals, which is tremendous. Going to do a little rapid fire here with you, Rick. Uh, and we're joined by Rick Flair, a uh, legendary pro wrestler, and he'll be here on January the 12th with uh, the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, at the Northern Alberta Jubilee Auditorium for the Untaped untold tales of pro wrestling and you can uh, get tickets at livenation.com okay rapid fire uh favorite opponent ricky steamboat toughest opponent holly race oh i i almost thought you were going to say terry funk for a second but uh, yeah i forgot about harley race <laughs> yeah don't don't dismiss harley race in that conversation <laughs> Uh, Go ahead. Favorite match? Hmm. It would either be um, one of the matches, the 89 with Steamboat in that series of three that we had, or it would be my retirement match with Sean. All right. And finally, I want to ask you about your daughter, Ashley, who uh, is in WWE. Her name's Charlotte Flair. Um, you got to be her manager for a while during her heel run, which I thought was great. But, um, you know, I, I go back and I remember how, your reaction when she won her first title and just the emotion you had for her. Uh, what does it mean to watch Ashley uh, perform in the same stage that you performed on for so many years? Well, people ask me all the time. I, I say it's the greatest... Uh it's the greatest part of my career is to see her success. I mean, not only her success, but to see her, you know, surpass me in terms of ability, athleticism. Um, and she just, she has taken it to a whole new level. Um, you know, I, people always say to me, well, um, you know, you guys didn't do moonsaults and stuff like that. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't required back then, but I mean, there's no way in the world Ricky Steamboat couldn't have done a moonsault. But my daughter has just got on the scene, and and she um, has made the investment emotionally, and you know, time management wise, to to be the best. 
she's the same way she is. She was in, in amateur sports in high school and college. She she doesn't like that. She she can't accept being second, uh, which is good, and, and it's good for anybody in sports. Um, um, uh, but her work ethic is second to none, and uh, as an athlete, um, I, I feel like she's the best athlete in the WWE. And I don't think you find much argument for that. She just um, just done a phenomenal job, and she's. People think it's that it's a plus being my daughter. It's not, um, you know, because you're expected. They, they, that's a lot of pressure. And anytime you're a second generation uh, performer, you know, you've got a lot to live up to if the if the first generation was successful. So. It's not always, you know, the wall guy is Rick Flair's daughter. She's going to, you know, that's great, but that it doesn't work like that. She's had to pay the price. She's had to work through a lot, and there's pressure and competition, and, um, you know, she's managed that. I think it took her a while to um, realize that, uh, you know, everybody's your friend to your face, but when you turn around, um that's not the way life works, and that that applies to you, me, everybody in life in general. But she has um, she has accepted it, and uh, she's um, you know she's creating a legacy of her own. And I couldn't be more proud of her. That's a great way to end this, uh, Rick. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I uh, really appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk to you and uh, look forward to your visit up here in uh, in Edmonton. And, uh, yeah, maybe you'll buy a Connor McDavid jersey here as well. There you go, man. Tell him I said hi. Tell him he would have never got away with that if Bob Prover was still playing. <laughs> no, and, no, and nobody would totally. Prover beat the crap out of him every time they fought anyway. <laughs> you guys. Man, that was a treat to speak with Ric Flair, the nature boy, one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, who will be coming to Edmonton on Saturday, January the 12th at the Northern Alberta Jubilee Auditorium for the untold tales of pro wrestling. You can head to LiveNation.com for tickets. Should be a fun night. And thank you so much for listening this evening to 630 Chet Inside Sports. Have a good evening. Remember Oilers Hockey tomorrow. We're back with another edition of Inside Sports on Friday night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.